Welcome to this week's episode of Safe Room, Blade Disgusting's Dead Pixels horror video game podcast, delivering a horrifying new episode every Monday. I'm one of your hosts, Jay Krieger. And I'm the other one, Neil Bo. And this week we're getting weirder than usual with a, a trip to the West in Wolf Eye Studios' recently released action RPG hybrid, Weird West, in which the player initially takes on the role of a mysterious gunslinger who suffers a tragedy and must return to their old ways to seek retribution against those who have wronged her. And, well, things become increasingly weirder the further the world is explored. Now, Neil, you know this game uh, intimately well as you uh, reviewed it for PSU. Uh, so I'm curious, like, what were your expectations going into the game, considering, you know, there's a good amount of goodwill, I think, that comes with some of the creatives behind this game? Yes, um, you know, it's many of the former Arcane team, you know, the team that worked on Prey and the original Dishonored. And, you know, the we talked about the no-clip documentary on Prey, where Rafael Colantino, um was talking about how it hurt him, how it was received, and all this, and all the work that went into it, which you know, instantly for me, just made me root for the idea of anything that team did you know, from now on. Because it's like, yeah, I, I get it. And having been part of that review cycle, where despite being fairly high on the mark for that game, even I had to dock it because of certain technical problems. But that, you know, that came into mind with this, where it was like. Okay, you know, I'm going to be more understanding. I'm going to give it more of a chance. I know how even the arcane games have done that to me in the past, where I've not initially enjoyed the beginning of it when you haven't quite figured everything out, and an event, then you get past that point and you everything starts clicking. You're like, oh, okay, I get it, I get it, and yet it was a different kind this time. I think with Weird West is, I felt initially like it was going to be, oh, okay. So, yeah, the perspective change was fine to me, you know, that you'd have got a, an isometric sort of style viewpoint with this, and it's more like Wasteland than Dishonored in that regard, which is cool by me because I love Wasteland games. Um, yeah, it was hard to know where it was going with things at first, and I did wonder if there was going to be a bit more explanation about how to sort of create choice and flexibility. And with time, it comes, you know, it does come, but that beginning is a bit tough at first, not just because of the way it handles, it's the way it sets things up. You're not quite sure what you're getting into and it doesn't feel special. I suppose you, you go into this, if you're a fan of Arcane's games and, the first thing you think, oh, I'm going to love it. I'm going to love everything about it because I feel I felt like that with um, Deathloop because obviously you know, I played all these other games and I loved them, so I knew what to expect going in there. But I think Deathloop really did sell the concept of what it was doing strongly from the beginning, and that makes it like the outlier in terms of um, all those games. Um, but yeah, so this did have moments early on for me where. I was a little concerned, you know, and the little technical hitches here and there, and you could tell it was a smaller team and that they were pushing against stuff, but it wasn't till later that it became apparent that, that you know, how much ambition was being packed into there, you know. Uh, it's, I, I imagine you had the same sort of idea going in that you would, you know, with that pedigree that it would end up being 
something in particular and it doesn't come across that way, does it, at first? Yeah, that's why when I was reading through your review, that line stood out to me so much. And you said, you know, as a result of that pedigree, Weird West did admittedly feel a tad underwhelming at first. And that line jumped out at me because I remember getting, you know, two or three hours into the game and I was like, well, so far, I'm not seeing a lot here that is necessarily indicative of that team and, you know, again, that pedigree and what we know them for and presenting like the weird part of Weird West, right? Not to say that the game doesn't have some supernatural elements, but then, you know, you're starting out and it's kind of just very, not predictable, but it just feels very safe in a way that I wasn't expecting. I was expecting something up front that kind of like was defining in a way that was unlike something I'd played before or or really defining in a big sort of like bravado way in terms of like, look at this weird world that we've created. This is unlike anything you've played before or a world that you've experienced recently. And, you know, it wasn't until I got another handful of hours away from the opening two or three hours that I really started to appreciate the groundwork that's laid in those opening hours that initially kind of felt underwhelming, but then really serves as the building blocks for exploring this world. And the more it opens up, it opens up in a way that feels so organic that had the game started out with this kind of like in your face, look how weird we can get. Look at how strong the horror elements are. Look at how over the top characters and the world environments and just like the crazy situations you can find yourself in. It almost avoids the problem of like peaking too early, which nowadays I feel like, especially when people are talking about the conversation around certain games, like when something comes out right away, Everybody wants to be part of the conversation. They want to talk about this big moment or that big moment or this decision that you made that kind of altered your playthrough for the entire game. But this game is a lot more methodical and I think introducing the world in those mechanics. And that was a really pleasant surprise because it ends up making for a game that has lots of little surprises in it and it has lots of big moments, but they're paced a little more thoughtfully almost. Yes. The game really doesn't get ahead of itself too early on, which then, at least with me, like one of my issues with some of these longer form RPG games where, you know, 20, 30, potentially 40 hours is that the first 10 hours are super memorable, but then the next 15 to 20 hours might be me running through kind of just like this loop of like, okay, go here, collect a bounty, sell a bunch of junk, upgrade my guns as much as possible. But with Weird West, you know, I'm now 15 hours in. I've yet to complete it, but I've spent a good chunk of time, you know, playing around with different characters, doing a lot of the side quests. It carries itself and its story in a way that's exciting for those entire 15 hours I found, which admittedly is a rarity that I find with some of these types of RPG games. And that in of itself, I think, would not be possible if the game didn't start with that sort of familiar, but it's familiar for a purpose of just establishing this world before things truly kind of get turned on their head in a really unique way. Yeah. Um, I would liken the structure to a novel more than a game in that regard. That it Absolutely. Just, you know, you had this almost anthology style story that, but it's all connected. But to me, you know, so much of it feels like Stephen King, uh, the Dark Tower, especially and in, in how it it starts with a little you know something quite familiar that gets more and more hints of just how unfamiliar it actually is and then goes to crazier and crazier and crazier places to and you know while it doesn't go quite that far you know weird west 
does just sort of tra- chapter by chapter layer on the weird. So at the beginning, one of the things that makes it a little underwhelming at first is the fact that there is very little of that. You know, you deal with some cannibals. It's like a Western style game. It's all human enemies. It feels very much like you'd expect, you know, you, okay. I was thinking weird. So, <laughs> so at the minute it's, it, at the minute it feels like you know, an ironic statement, but it then obviously goes to the next character. You know, after that chapter is done and you told that story, you go to the next. And the, the thing about the next story each time is that the time you have spent in the world up to that point just keeps going, just keeps going on. And when you do take over the next character, that character comes into the story after the, the previous one. But that character you were still exists in the world. And they all share this connection, you know, like that the, they end up aware of that means that the next character can go in back and see the character you were before. And I mean, that in itself, the first time I realized that was like, oh, wow, you know, that, that's amazing that you can just go back to the person you had and have all these reference points. And it really then was like, was when I sort of got, oh, I get this now. I get what, what this is going for. And then just from there, it went layer, 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 layer. And I think for a good 10 hours, then it was just like, I was full on okay, I'm learning new stuff all the time. I'm really seeing everything that uh, people who worked at Arcane, people who worked on Prey can do and had done here. It, it's there. It's all there. And in some ways it's done bigger because they've, you know, they've drawn in to make this isometric world that's not quite so, you know, detail heavy in the same way as like a 3D world, if you will. And, as a result, yeah, they can push the boundaries a bit more. You know, and you see the, the, the you know, the, where it bulges at the seams a bit and you don't, you know, it has its moments where you're like, oh, maybe that thing is struggling against that thing. Uh, you know, mechanically, it has issues at times where you're like, oh, well, I wish that I could shoot a bit better. I don't think it's suited for console as well as it is PC, for instance. You know, just because the twin stick nature of it is I think one of the hardest things to get used to with that, you know, with the twin stick style shooting or, or interaction of the world is that your brain immediately goes to a twin stick shooter style. You know, you're thinking, I should be able to blast my way out of this, but, you know, ammo is fairly limited. You're supposed to be methodical about it. And it, you have to teach your brain that, you know, and that again comes into this early part of feeling underwhelming where you're like, it feels like I should be doing more with this. So it feels like I should be more urgent and more action packed. But yeah, once you settle into that pace, poof, yeah, it's just marvelous how it goes. Yeah, I was really, really taken aback by just how interconnected the story is and how they're able to tie in all these different characters, like you'd said, as an anthology. But in a way that, you know, sometimes when I'm thinking more in terms of like anthology storytelling in films, where they try to connect all of the various stories, yeah. often that's like the weakest part. But for me, I found that with Weird West, the world itself that connects all of these characters and all of these different plights of these different characters together is the strongest element because it's able to take these things that complement rather than serve to replace or 
to almost like discard the entire experiences that you've had previously. Like when you get to the end of the initial character, the gunslinger, I almost had like a pit in my stomach where I was just like, oh, fuck. Like, okay, (laughs) this story's over. And now I'm going to start all over again from the ground up, which, you know, if it introduces new gameplay mechanics and things like that, then it's like, that's cool. But often I find that sometimes they have a tendency to be so excited to show us the next thing or to show us the future of the world or the storytelling developments that it, unbeknownst to them, it discards the player's investment in what they just spent, you know, five or 10 hours doing beforehand. But with Weird West, if anything, it builds upon that in the most satisfying of ways. And like you had said, when you move on from controlling a character, that character is still very much a part of the world. You can meet up with them. You can further unravel the mystery that ties all of these people together in this weird world. And yet, furthermore, you can, you know, you can have them posse up with you, right? You become the pig man in the second. And I want to break down a few more of these characters. But when you become the pig man, who is like the second character, you can quite literally go back to the farm, which you were very familiar with of the gunslinger and recruit them and they come with you. And they have all the abilities and they've got all of the weapons and items and whatnot that you just spent, you know, five, six, seven hours crafting and, you know, honing and collecting. And now that becomes a tool that is in the player's wheelhouse, essentially, while they're learning how to play this new style of combat um, or the, you know, the new type of character that they want to play, which I think also is an interesting facet of it, that you're continuing in this world and yet you still have the freedom to decide what type of path you want to live. Do you want to live a righteous path or do you want to live the path of like a vigilante or the path of just, you know, becoming basically like a criminal in the West? Um, And that's an element that I think should definitely not get overlooked because, and you know, what ties all of this together ultimately is the upgrade system and the upgrade system being, you know, abilities and perks and these things while each of the characters have their own special abilities, right? The gunslinger, it's very tied to, you know, their obviously being a gunslinger and how that ties into it. But with like the pig man, he's very melee focused and whatnot and has special abilities that only he can use. Yes. But the thing that connects everybody together is, you know, the various types of perks and abilities that you would have, which is like improved uh, health, improved reload speeds and those types of things, which having that progression system that follows all of those characters, that does such a, and you know, it's very subtle, but that does such a great job of the player never feeling like they have to catch up this new character to where the previous character was at. It feels very... It flows very – I think that progress is just very fluid flowing in that mm. you never feel like, okay, now I have to go grind for two to three hours to make this a viable character as a replacement, which I found to be refreshing because over my course of 15 hours, there was no real slowdown. You know, Once I got over that two to three hour hump and seeing how that's so imperative to fleshing out the world and preparing me for you yeah. know my journey through the rest of the West. Yeah, it's – Something that, you know, the immersive sim side of the game really helps with is, you know, on the surface, it is very much an action RPG and works like that in a lot of ways. But by having that more tactile nature of an immersive sim, it means you can, even if you are feeling a bit outnumbered in certain areas, it it offers up opportunities to level the playing field in other ways, you know, be it by stealth, be it by a bit of creativity with kicking a barrel of oil in the right place or whatever. And yeah, it, it's 
that's where it really just clicks together perfectly when you start realizing that and getting that yeah no, no this is an immersive sim still it just happens to be more like you know wasteland or divinity original sin which you know in itself holds a lot of immersive sim qualities yeah and that was really intriguing how they managed to pull that off i i say the best thing about the character changing as well is the way it's done you know where you are essentially someone inhabiting the body of each of these characters and they are still them but you are also in control of them. So it's a very meta sort of idea of like, well, you are the one controlling them. So when we gone about, we were talking about this recently, that um, you know, the idea of you informing what a character will do, but it's still ultimately their set of decisions being made, you know, and it feels like that every time you jump into a character, it gives a little freshness. So it lets you try out different character builds in a way different styles because they all come as you said with different abilities and things like you know the pig man can regenerate health by eating corpses you know it's just <laughs> like you know no other character ends up doing that and it's it's mad that, that that's a thing but it it works for that character and it lets you think and behave in a different way and each story is told in a way that you're getting information about the character you're inhabiting you know, learning about them as a person through other people in the world, you know, and that's really, it's smartly done because, you know, it is just, that is the nature of games themselves, but it's given this real weight because that's the way the story is going. You are being that person as the plot device, you know, that you are inhabiting the characters and that is really cool. I love that about it. I think again, there was another Dark Tower thing that came to me straight away. I was thinking of the drawing of the three and you know the whole looking through the eyes of others sort of thing. It felt a lot like that, and it, it you know, I mean, that was always going to draw me to it anyway. But it just it, the way it's handled, and I'm sure we'll get into the world in general and how that changes and sh- in shape as you progress time. It, it, it's just amazing yeah we'll get to that we'll get to that <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot to cover um there it is you know the thing that i really really appreciated about the introduction of the new characters is that sure they introduce new facets of gameplay they introduce new strategies you start to you know be able to explore and this further complements the immersive sim nature of it where you get to explore combat or other scenarios with a new set of tools, but you're still building upon the mm. skill set that you've developed up until that point. But the bigger reward, I think, than, you know, just having a new character and them essentially being like a lifeless husk, but facilitating gameplay is that you learn more about the world in a way that, again, it feels like a natural progression of the understanding of the world and how, yeah. and what I love in the contrast of like the gunslinger story about being, you know, very familiar in the sense that like they're wronged, their world is shattered. They have to essentially dig up, quite literally dig up their irons and go out there and get their revenge. And who knows if they'll even be satisfied by that. But then going from that to, you know, the pig man and realizing like, oh, there's this crazy uh, witch or person that is essentially like manipulating a tree that is sentient, that is brewing like pig creatures or something like that or creating them. And it just opens up this completely foreign 
element of the world and the storytelling that up until that point you don't know about. And the reality that, you know, every single character gives you not only, you know, the gameplay benefit of that, but it's further facilitating the story and the world building. And it introduces Mm. it in a way that's gradual. But I think in the gradual nature with which you're learning more about, you know, the specific, the weirdness of the West is that the game carries it as if like, well, of course, this is a facet of the world. This is the weird West in the story. And when you start introducing these more outlandish concepts or creatures and whatnot, and the, you know, the mini stories that pop up around all of those things, they feel like a natural extension of the world rather than, you know, those big bombastic, Hey, look how weird we can make this. It yeah. it just feels like a natural organic progression of the world and an understanding of the world in a way that doesn't feel like, show off if that makes sense. It just feels yeah. like, well, of course there's a tree that can communicate telepathically with a yeah. pig because why wouldn't that be a byproduct <laughs> of this world, um, which I really, really love. And I think, again, furthermore, being grounded for the first two to three hours in this world with what initially felt underwhelming is really pivotal too. And I want to take it back to a great point you made in terms of reteaching yourself the type of game that this is or how you should play this game, yeah. right? Because- especially on consoles, I would say probably my only, I don't know, I guess critique of the game is just like the twin stick nature of it feels a little loose with the controller, right? It's not as precise. When you get flustered, it can be this thing where you're like, oh man, now I've got six guys running at me and I'm trying to like run around and use different abilities and aim and perfectly line up with them. But overall, like those two to three hours, I think, are important to reteaching yourself the type of game this is, the way that you should approach scenarios, knowing yeah. that if shit goes south, you don't have to only rely on stealth. It's viable to have, you know, shootouts and gunfights and all of these things. But if the game led too strong with the weirdness of the world and the characters and the inhabitants, mm. it would almost be like overwhelming, I think, or distracting because it's like, okay, you really just need to focus on learning how to play this game, rewire your brain And then you can introduce, you know, tons of lore and bizarre flavor text and these types of things that make this world as unique and enjoyable, uh, uncovering the mysteries that it holds. Hmm. Yeah, it does. Um, And yeah, so the world is itself an interesting thing because it's not an open world. Um, It's handled a very, the aesthetic of it is great in this regard that you travel across a map you know, like tells you how long in hours, days, whatever it'll take to do that. Longer if you're walking, obviously, if you're on horseback, you could just steal a horse if you need to and things like that. But uh, when you get into certain situations, like so you may come up on a random encounter, you know, on your way to somewhere or you get to your destination, the area you're in is basically like... uh you're on a map piece, uh, which is like really cool anyway in design terms. So everything you find in each place is like its own self-contained level, you know. But it and for something so disconnected, and this again comes back to Dishonored and Dishonored Two, where you know you had these places that are completely separate, but all feel like an interconnected world, you know, because everything feels totally consistent the story and the background behind it all works together but the thing that really does it for me is that 
the way things just change with time, you know, like there are actions outside your own that can change the world, which is great. So, but the things you do also can in a secondhand way end up affecting areas. Like if you let certain bandits go or let them escape when they try to ambush you, they could, they live to go and hurt someone else. And so a town that was prosperous and, you know, you had a nice bank full of things where you had to, you maybe you had all your savings in, um, could be wiped out, you know, but it's not gone forever. That's the thing. You know, in most games, when that happens, you'd be like a, Oh, will you save the town or will you not? And, you know, if you didn't, that's it. The town's gone forever. You know, we think of nuke town and things like that. But here, it can rebuild itself, you know, and the longer you go in and do those side missions and things like that and just spend time in the world. I, first, I was worried that I was on some sort of time limit because of this day count and how long it would take in the king. Oh, maybe I should just hurry up and get on with things. So I didn't really go with the side mission stuff, you know, especially because I was doing it for a review and before launch. So you don't have that information at hand. But yeah, it was crazy to see that then coming back to it that it really did just add even more that you really did just see whole towns die, come back and die again if necessary. And, you know, coming back to certain characters like who don't matter, you know, holding grudges against you, you know, because you killed their friends, you know, like that and stuff like that. Yeah. The, the, probably the sneakiest way of getting around that pattern on the old nemesis system that, uh, <laughs> the middle earth games have. <laughs> but it works so well. Um, yeah, it, it just, everything feels like you're having an effect on the world. You know, like the fact that you can be traveling with a past version of yourself, if you will, you know, and the consequences of that character's actions can come and hurt your current character because someone's out for blood for them because of something you did in that previous life. It's just, He's there smiling at it, you know, and laughing at the idea that, oh, I can't believe this. This is, it has come back to bite me, even though I'm someone else completely. Or, you know, it can affect a town or a place or whatever that they end up getting punished for your association with that place, you know. And it, it was fascinating to come to that, back to places and find that they're in a bad state. I mean, it can, the first time that happened, it really sort of like threw me for a loop. I went back to a town to sort of deposit like, like, uh, all the gold and iron ore and all this stuff like that and make and make some money to sell. I came back and you know, the place had been wiped out. You know, the bank was empty and like all that. And it's just, there was no one there to do any of it. And it's like, oh, like, <laughs> it's, like, it's crazy. <laughs> and you're like, wow, is, is this the same place? And then I was double checking. It's like, no, no, this is it. This is where I was. And, yeah, I, I, that just floored me because it it's one of those things that for many years you always heard as a promise about games, you know, you can go over there or you, if you see that thing in the distance or, you know, if you make this decision, it changes the map forever and like that. Which, you know, generally when games do that, they're telling the truth, um, but in a very arbitrary sort of, solid fixed way you know it's like we plan for you to do this or this and that's it yeah whereas this game goes it doesn't matter if you planned it or not 
stuff is going to happen without, with or without you. And it, and I like that. I like feeling like you're not just like the hero of time. You are just the person in there that just living in that world and things go on around you, whether you like it or not. That, it, that in itself is just such a smart system and really where it shows how much work and how much ambition goes into such a project. Yeah, it's a world that's reflective of your actions, but also, like you had said, the actions of your past selves or, you know, if you were inclined to play a different style with a new character, you still have to be cognizant of those decisions for the future, for the next three, four or five characters uh, that you could be. And, you know, like you had said, you typically it's like, okay, you've got one or two options or this situation could go down one or two ways, but the way in which the game kind of has not only a multitude of ways in which the world can respond to your actions, but the way in which it's not immediate. And that's Mm. important, I think, to what we've been talking about, right? The idea that it's over time and that, you know, if you let these gangsters or the bandits run away, they don't immediately show up like five minutes later, right? You almost forget about it, which makes for those, which really does set the stage for fantastic anecdotes while playing this game for, you know, what you had said, or in my case, I carried out a mission in a town that was a ghost town. I killed all the bandits. And then I came back later in the game and it was thriving again. And I wasn't expecting that. And it got to the point I didn't even mean to return there. I kind of haphazardly clicked on it and then forgot, but then realized like 10 minutes after exploring, like, oh shit, I came back here and now now it's thriving again. And like lots of little moments like that, I think really complement the idea of like tales of the West, right? This idea, and you know, it comes back to which how you described with the map and everything, and how you get to go through these little landmarks, and each landmark is part of the same world, and yet it feels like its own little isolated story, which you know yeah. comes into play with that wasteland uh, perspective and whatnot, which I think really complements it, right? Because if it was yes. an open world, then you lose that. You lose this. Okay, here's this one memorable event or that one memorable event. I mean, after a while. If it's just you roaming the countryside, it's like, okay, I've killed now my a thousandth bandit or I've killed my thousandth bear or whatnot. But this is the thing that I think really allows the horror elements to shine in a way that Mm. when you encounter one of these uh, ambushes and whatnot, it could be bandits, it could be wildlife, or it could be zombies or a siren or any of these other more horror centric monsters that are not overutilized, I thought, or overused. Right. Initially, something that I was a little wary of was like, okay, is this going to be the type of thing where it's like, sure, there's all these monsters in the world, but then the monsters themselves are so heavy handedly used that they almost just become like bandit X, Y and Z. Yeah. Whereas I found it was pleasant to surprise that you encounter them probably like every four or five ambushes or something. They're not super common. So each of them is very memorable which I really yeah. liked, right? Like I remember the fact that I got attacked by three to four pigmen, right? That's only happened a couple of times in my playthrough. So each one of those instances is memorable and significant in a way that made combat exciting and thrilling for those ambush encounters, which typically in these types of games, it would just be a, a nuisance or something like that. But yeah. given the weirdness of the West and the way it uses horror elements, each ambush, if the text itself is not uh, too heavy-handed of an indicator of what you're about to fight or encounter, for that matter, it makes that exciting because it's exploring the world in a way that could potentially differ 
from how you've explored it for the last few hours. And that I think really complements that sort of like milestone markers along the map and whatnot that gives her a nice bevy of memorable events outside of, you know, the big story milestones that you'll encounter. That's it. You know, going back to that whole other thing about, you know, recruiting characters and meeting them and like that and them sort of permeating throughout the world. They can die permanently too, which is like, man, I mean, even the ones you've played as can die, be done. Like the gunslinger in mine you know, died having joined the pigman or um, went to a cave thing doing the mission there and ended up having to bury them there. And then thinking, I was thinking, well, maybe I can come back and revive them. No, but you know, and yeah, but it was like, okay, that's cool. Again, and again, that scratched a particular itch for me because it brought me back to something like XCOM, where like you know you have that sort of Iron Man mode where you know, people can be lost forever, and it feels dramatic. But it was in a, in a more narrative sense, and I, I love that about it because while every character is important in their own way, they are also just vessels for the story you're selling, and that's done such. Yeah, it's done so well in that regard. The other thing that really struck me is that after the gunslinger, every character does just really personify the various weirdness aspects of the West. You know, you have the pig man, you have the wind, you know, the the Native American who's you know, tempted by the powers of the Wendigo. Uh, you have the werewolf, you know, the wolf man, and then you have you know, the cult. The person, you know, to end it all, and each felt so wonderfully fresh because of that. You know, it's like because they all brought something. I mean, the werewolf thing was for me great because for so long, like when you let your friend tag along, you know, and say, "Oh, I'll come and help you," and you know, they they pretty much explicitly warn you that he, this guy, you shouldn't have this guy out because you know, in this world, if werewolves get a bit too, you know into everything they get a bit what they call moon drunk and they they go out of control and become more animalistic and it took me ages to realize that i hadn't actually been a werewolf the entire time i was, I was just a man until i figured out oh you can turn into a werewolf okay so you can actually transform at will if you had the uh particular power gauge i just hadn't realized it because the game was like you know just figure out when you do but it's, it, i like that about it because when i did figure it out it was like oh okay cool now this had something different because you can only use it for a certain amount of time and like that and it becomes its own ability but wow yeah i'm i don't know it just made every story interesting in its own way as well because they all came from very different backgrounds there's no real connection between any of the characters beyond the story uh, and what does that and which is brilliant because it ties very different people together from very different it'd be like you know if you played a fallout for instance and you went from being you know just your average joe volt guy and then you went to being like a super mutant and then you were like nick valentine the android or uh, things like it'd be like that it, it is honestly it just gives you all these different perspectives on life in the west for every different group even those that are personified as being the villain of the piece and yeah it's really smartly done with the story stuff it doesn't pull punches i mean the first story is basically like 
oh, you, your husband has been kidnapped and your son has just been murdered. It's like, so you've got to <laughs> come out of retirement and be a bounty hunter again. And it's like, okay, that, that's very gritty Western sort of stuff. And like the pig man story is brilliant, I think. You know, because you know, it, it makes you think like, oh, you should feel sorry for him because, you know, he's had all this happen to him. You know, he doesn't know why he's a pig man. It's, you know, that people are made into pig men. Uh, they generally can't speak and that they, but he, this one can because of this whole story. And yeah, learning more and more about that character, him trying to find out what happened to him, you know, like that. And you don't get the answers you'd expect or want, maybe, out of it. It was really satisfying, you know. And the fact that you have all these significant choices in their own personal stories as well, you know, things that you, yeah, at the end of each chapter, you get like a list of like, you did this, you did that, you did this, you did that. Like we were, you know, we've discussed recently on The Walking Dead, when we do, when that episode comes out, you'll see we were saying the same thing, you know, they, it as to a sort of moment of like, oh, well, what did you do? Well, I did this, well, I did that. But here it's, you know, those choices can matter because they affect the world at large, you know, the werewolf story and the Wendigo story, especially have like significant impact on how the world goes, depending on what you decide to do in them, you know, and that in itself was, again, just really cool to sort of, to be the next character and you're kind of keeping it in mind thinking, well, how would that change the world for the next person coming in? And it adds a replayability, you know, which again is one of the key things of arcane style games, you know, is that you want to go back and try different approaches to things and to see how it affects, you know, what, where you can go and when and what happens in that time. So it is, just a remarkable set of systems when you think about it like that. And it makes it more forgiving, I think, for me, where I, I can let some of the technical issues slide because it's like they'll pass, you know, they'll get better. It was true of Prey, it was true of Dishonored 2. It, they'll get better. And then it'll be like, everyone will be like, oh, this game is amazing. We should have remembered how amazing this game was. <laughs> the cycle continues in you. It yeah. does every time. <laughs> So yeah, this time I was glad to sort of just go into it and go, you know what? No, I don't care. I, you know, overall, what it did for me just blew my mind enough that I'm just like, I don't care if it didn't do this, this or this particularly well. What it, it made me excited about the game and what it did, which is, you know, for big games is such a rarity you know, now to really sort of excite me with their ideas and, promises if you will because i think the promise is undersold here if anything and that ended up you know you do go through that whole sort of spectrum of that from underwhelming all the way through to oh my god i can't believe how good this is sort of thing you know i know you know it it ended up being divisive with people in terms of critical reception but Again, I think it does just come down to how you perceive those issues and the technical issues that that it has, and how, especially how it handles on a console. I, you know, I would definitely say it's better to play this on PC if you can. But I, I you know, all the same, even on the PlayStation, it was just a whale of time. 
Yeah, I, you know, in terms of like technical issues, I think I only had two spots where I had to like reload an earlier save because I fell through the environment or something mm. in like a heavy action moment or rolling yeah. into an awkward corner of a wall and then got stuck. Like that was two or three times over my almost 15 hours, I think, with the game. And it was to the degree that it was like, again, you just reload and then you move on. And it was, it, you know, one time I had to replay, I don't know, 10 minutes of something. But again, the world is so rewarding in more ways than one that it wasn't a big deal at the end of the day because I was yeah. like, cool, this is thanks to the immersive <laughs> sim nature. Now I can approach that scenario maybe in a new way or take what I learned, at, you know, treat that initial run 10 minutes ago as just like a preview of what's to come and then trying to attack it in a different way. How can I yeah. interact with the environment in this way? What ability could I use differently? What gun could I use differently and whatnot? And, you know, again, bring it back to the sort of loose controls on console. Like I played on the series S the first two hours were probably pretty frustrating. I found, I was like, mm. okay, this is an action RPG hybrid, but the action element is super loose and it's not entirely accurate. And, you know, you can get dealt a ton of damage. Guns don't deal a lot of damage right out the gate and you could be facing five or six guys at once. And, you know, even more than that in yeah. some instances, but I found that that was really crucial to, again, rewiring my brain and how to approach this, how to approach things smartly, you know, lead with stealth. But at the end of the day, realizing that you have enough tools in your kit that you can handle anything that's thrown at you if you are playing conservatively in terms of going from the main story stuff to side story so you can get more money, build up reputation, more uh, unlocks and abilities and things like that to the degree that, again, it kind of, once you reteach yourself the ways in which a game like this needs to be approached, you essentially have to master it within those first opening hours because then you're ready to tackle anything that gets thrown at you. And if anything, that sort of like jumping into the deep end without informing the player on those things is indicative of just immersive sims in general that I think overall complement this style of game because you have to learn through playing and experimenting. If you don't want to experiment and you try to play this game the same way that you played in those first three hours, you're not going to have a good time with this game. Uh, a, no. a lot of the joy of this comes from those holy shit moments, which stem from experimenting with either your character, their abilities, or just the world in general, um, which is incredibly enjoyable and can uh, actually result in some of my like favorite little anecdotes of the game and just stuff that yeah. you weren't expecting, like, the first time I picked up a lamp and threw it in my house, I like lit my house on fire because it was just like, <laughs> oh, well, this is an action game. If you throw something like it'll break, but there won't be consequences further than that. But having a moment like that and then running around, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, what do I do? Like, that's a very comical sort of little anecdote. But that applies to combat as well, right? And the fact that, okay, if you throw an oil barrel or you throw a poison barrel or an explosive barrel then and you know, blowing up guys over here and alerting somebody, but then you can get the drop on them with an ability or a gun and whatnot. Like there's so many different avenues for engagements that it does make even the most seemingly simple engagements exciting in a way because you have the freedom and the game gives you enough variables that those things can be exciting. I, you know, I led with stealth for a majority of combat experiences, but that doesn't mean that I played every stealth experience or every stealth um focused attempt at like infiltrating an area the same exact way. I was always trying out new things or trying new different techniques and, you know, using items in the environment to throw them to lure enemies and whatnot and things like that. And the game doesn't tell you any of that. 
outside of, you know, the general ways in which you control your character, the game doesn't hold your hand. And I think that's its greatest asset. And I'm not one of those people that's like super precious about like, well, back in the day, games didn't tell you everything. But with a game like this, it complements the players and actual like overall enjoyment, I find, because, you know, you get to have those little moments of, oh, shit, discoveries. (laughs) But that informs how you're going to play the next hour, the next two, the next three, the next all the way to the end of your time with the game. Yeah, it's just great in that regard that with any immersive sim that you do have that to it where you're like oh the as you start clicking with the systems you start thinking of more ways that you could have gone back and done things differently and you know there are various styles of that you know i find that with the hitman games especially i love that you know going back and just oh i could have done this you know but because you learn from another level that you might this is a thing that you can do and you're and Maybe you'll watch a video and someone does something. I'd never have thought of that. You're like, I love that. There are so many ways to approach this. And this, having such a, a narrative focus to that, where it's not, you know, not like to the, you know, super serious, everything you do matters like, thing. It's like, no, 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 you just, it's cause and effect. You know, you are just part of the world. And it just so happens if you do something, it's going to affect some other people. And, and as a subsequent thing, the world you're in as well. So, yeah, that just ends up being gleeful because, and again, when I, I brought up XCOM before, it's that random nature of like what could happen in this situation is possibly going to be different because my actions are different, you know, and I've got different people in here and whatever I'm doing is not the same as the last time. So, you may have done the same map 20 times, you know, or 20 different playthroughs, but the outcome will be different because the way you led up to it, the way you led up to it will never be exactly the same. So it's like, it's not, you know, a roguelite, if you will, you know, where you have real random generation, but it's more of that for algorithms that throw up different scenarios that within a structure and that really is what helps it. It's giving you the tools to try different things whilst never being truly in control of what you're going to be presented with. And I like that, the way it handles I probably just said exactly what the fucking procedural generation is, but you know, it's still, <laughs> it still counts, is what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's still such an interesting way of doing things. And you that's why I find it hard to not love this. It would, I, I can't not love this because it's doing so much and trying so much and pulling so much of it off. You know, it, it, that in itself is a remarkable feat for anyone. And yeah, I I'm, ended up just really thinking like, God, I, you know, this is what they did in their first game. What can they do in the second? You know, and, you know, I hope that it ends up being the case that you know this has done well enough for them that they can go and make something even more ambitious, bigger, or even, you know just maybe even the current level of ambition with you know having more time to make the game, you know, and make something even more attractive to a bigger audience because they could make something truly like popular and special, and they may not want that, but. That feels like it could be that the potential is there, you know, to to be done. Yeah. And, you know, 
I think every step of the way, this game has enough surprises or it introduces just enough of a new avenue in terms of it being narrative or a new gameplay development that given the size and the scope of the game, like I would say this is probably about like a medium size scaled of the type of experience of it is. And so, you know, periodically you're going to see reused textures and things of that nature and environmental layouts and stuff like that. But I felt the game introduces new things just frequently enough that it never Mm. delves into being too repetitive, right? After a while, you go to one town and it kind of sort of resembles the last town you were in and whatnot. But everything, you know, again, this coincides with the introduction of new characters. I was thinking in terms of when you're the gunslinger, right? You're going around these towns or you're going around these outposts. And by the point in which that story is about to wrap up, it's becoming almost too familiar. But then when you find Mm. the pig man, you start... exploring elements of the map that are very different in the way that it looks. They're a little more floral, right? You go underground and you start exploring these underground caverns in this kind of like stone temple cultist area and whatnot. And things change just enough that I don't know how much variety there is, but the game hides its variety and maybe the limitations of its scope incredibly well that within 15 hours, I was surprised that I was never kind of like, rolling my eyes, the fact, well, yeah, there's another environment that I remember, or there's another, you know, uh, outpost that I remember. But this game just is so multi-layered in the types of experiences. And again, the variety of not only elements of the game design, but also just like Mm. the types of people you're meeting, the different commentary on the time period and, you know, them, you know, putting some modern commentary into this Western setting, right? And I think that that is all handled in a way that is just really smartly done and further fleshes out this world in a way that complements that weird nature, right? I think that the biggest thing that I was surprised about is how even-handed the implementation of the weird is. And this is Mm -hmm. leading into something that I'm curious about your thoughts on, and that's kind of the way in which they implement the horror elements of this game. Because, you know, just in getting a general read on some of the comments online and people's thoughts on the game. Like I saw some people said there wasn't enough horror in this to make it potentially horror adjacent or a horror game itself. But I think that the game does a really great job of, you know, having lots of weirdness in there, having horror elements in there, but no one element is stronger than the other that allows everything to meld together in a way that it's genuinely like surprising every time you encounter something new or you encounter like a really horror centric moment. I felt that, you know, this easily could have been like too much of a Western or too much of a horror game, which, you know, one or the other is not necessarily a bad thing, but the game is able to blend those almost seamlessly together that it just makes for an experience that even 15 hours in, you feel like another big surprise could be right around the corner, which is a rarity, I think. Yeah, it really is. And I think it's hard to deny its horror credentials. It has fucking witches, werewolves, cultists. It, it has everything. I think this goes back to the ever evergreen debate about what is horror and what constitutes horror. It's like, does it scare you? Is it gory? Is it extra bloody? Is all this blah, blah, blah? It's like, that's not, it's not what matters. You know, it's like, if it has elements of horror in it, it's horror. Yeah, that's it. It's, and here it has monsters. It takes a, take on what would be normal and makes it 
abnormal and surreal and strange and there you go that that's what matters you know we said this on uh horror bites last week it, it, it's exactly that you get those kind of experiences and that's what you want you want to have things that are just more than this game is trying to scare you this trying this i noticed i was um you know someone was showing me like a bunch of the youtubers that like do like indie horror games you know in the same way we cover in the same space you know that we've been looking at games and picking them up through it's you know it's like he's showing me the stuff that's popular there and they're all iterations of like the things that have been popular before stuff that works well for youtube and, and twitch and things like that because they do those things and you can tell when stuff's just you know put together you know, to, to tick boxes like there was literally a set of games where it was like it's a hub for other types. You know, this this is a basically Five Nights at Freddy's ripoff. This is a, a Pennywise ripoff. This is a fucking creepy doll ripoff, and it uh, this is a Resident Evil ripoff. And it, it just did that constantly, and none of it felt genuine. It didn't feel connected, and but popular because it does that thing of oh look, a thing's chasing you, oh, and it's a creepy character that we've made that doesn't really fit this world, but you won't think about that. Whereas something like this is very, not to sound too wanky, but it feels more sophisticated in terms of how it handles horror. It's handled it in a matter-of-fact way that it's there. You know, it's part of this world. It doesn't just, it's not there for the sake of it. It's not like, oh, we have to make a Western. That's also a horror. It's like, no, we've made a Western world that happens to have strange, weird things in it. And that's great. That's exactly why it works and why the world is interesting to go around because everything feels like a natural part of that world and that's that's exactly the right kind of way of approaching horror if you're going to have it in a game that isn't necessarily aiming for it as its main priority target yeah i mean i was saying something similar to that earlier in terms of like the game not being heavy-handed with the horror elements right if if there was a horror element at every single turn of this game and it being like in your face unmissable, like if people like the game deals with cannibalism, it deals with sirens, it deals with these monsters and whatnot. But again, if you overuse any one element of something, like not only do you become desensitized to it, but it lacks emphasis or meaning like what, okay. So this is just like clearly serving a purpose of like, okay, let's check off these boxes or if we don't remind the people that they're playing a horror game every five seconds, then they're going to like lose interest or they're going to forget it's a horror game. Whereas with this, like the game introduces the horror elements and continually has them pop up in such a matter of fact way that it complements really just the depth of the world building, as we've said, in a way that every single time that the story gets more outlandish or you are introduced to a new character that is like even more outlandish than the last, whether it be a heavier emphasis on horror or just like a general weirdness. It just feels like something that you would encounter in that world. So it's not as bombastic, if you will. Like it doesn't feel like this is supposed to be a moment that really makes the player go, oh, that's weird. It just feels (laughs) like this natural progression of the types of people you encounter in that world. And, you know, that's a facet of just the fully realized world that they've created and that Every single thing complements that in a way that 
I don't know, like you not to be uh, wankerish, but it doesn't feel like they're doing that just to get the player to like have that moment where they're like, oh, this look how weird this is. Like it just carries it in a way that yeah. is serviceable to the story that they're trying to tell and the avenues in which that story takes, which again, it makes for lots of unexpected moments in a game that doesn't really overuse any one element out of the gate. Like again, if it led with horror too much in the beginning and then became a Western in the back half, you would almost be like, well, what was the purpose of the horror in the beginning if you're going to abandon that and vice versa? So you get this very just intricately layered story, but also, you know, mechanics and all these things we've talked about that I think really sustains for the entire experience of the game or, you know, Mm. for the 15 hours I've played, there was no instance where I was thinking like, well, this three hour stretch was really horror focused, but then there's a Western focused angle for three hours after that. Like it's this real seamless experience in a way that again was surprising, but it felt so at home with just this experience and it putting the weird in the West in a significant way. Yeah. And yeah, I think, it becomes less surprising when you go back and think what they've done in the past, you know, with Dishonored and how that was, you know, despite being this sort of Victorian era sort of place that, you know, in itself with, you know, and it had the plague as well and all this, but it had a supernatural edge throughout that story. You know, the idea you're given powers by a fucking supernatural entity. That's it. And it's so, and it's all about bloody murder and, killing and that's great and so it had horror elements from the outset and it gets more so with Dishonored 2 but Prey you know it's a sci-fi game in one way but it's very much a horror thing on very on many levels you know it's not just the old there are creatures and monsters that you got to fight but also just there's a body horror to that whole story you know it's like the who am I what am I sort of thing that goes on for it and this again is a game that just shows that you can have horror and do it in such a ingrained way that doesn't feel obvious. And I think that is always going to be the problem for some people that will be, if it's not obvious, I don't get why it's there, you know, sort of thing. Whereas to me, I, I don't know, I do, there are times where I just think sometimes you just be a bit too obvious and it could be a bit too much, you know, you're just pushing. The idea that, oh, look at this, look at this, how scary is this? Like, that is a, it's not, but it has the opposite <laughs> right. effect, you know. It's like, I don't have to be scared by this world to enjoy it, but you can be unnerved, you can be creeped out a little, you can be like disturbed by, you know, as we said, there's a place full of cannibalism, you know, there's a whole thing about a brothel and like the treatment of one character in particular has towards the people in it. And it goes into some nasty places, you know, again, in a very matter of fact way, not, not in a judgy way, you know, like that beyond the obvious judging, which, you know, is there to be expected. And yeah, it, it works so well because of that. So yeah, it's great. It does that. Yeah. And I think that that world building, that dedication to crafting this world makes it that way when my, one of my favorite bits is um, you're going through a cavern and you find this guy named Snack who's in a mm. cupboard, basically. And he's got this <laughs> whole thing where he's like, oh, I have the information you want, and yet I'm not going to give it to you. You have to take me to go see this person. And essentially, it introduces this concept that these people that 
are sirens that can consume other people. When they consume them, they gain their memories and whatnot, which on its own <laughs> is bizarre. But the fact that the people that actually are out there and these cultists want to be eaten so they can basically like ascend or something like that. Like yeah. there's this whole crazy religious fervor tied into this. And, you know, initially I was kind of like, what the fuck? Like this is so random and so bizarre and so well realized. <laughs> but then it was the thing where I was like, I didn't keep fixating on how weird it was and I, because the world does the legwork in establishing this is a world where you can't assume that you know how everything works. And the fact that they went to the lengths to establish this mini society that is into that, it's like, of course, why wouldn't this crop up around these people and this general weirdness? Yeah. But it's done so in a way that I was thinking about it later on, but I was thinking about it more so just the depth of, again, the character and how these are the types of subgroups that could pop up in this world and the types of people that are a reflection of that world. It wasn't just that this guy wants to get eaten, which initially I was like, what the hell? But then <laughs> thinking about it more so, it's like, well, this is a world and we've mentioned it before, just the world itself and the people within it are reflective of one another, whether it be player choice and the world reacting to that, whether it be meeting certain characters that introduce these weird concepts. But then again, it's not done for the sake of being weird because it's reflective yeah. of the world in a larger sense, which, you know, there's so many examples in the game that are just like that, but uh, those are better left for people to discover themselves because this was a game that, you know, going into it, I didn't really have an idea of just the depth with which there would be, whether it be a storytelling or the immersive sim angle. And this ended up being just a wonderful surprise that kind of felt came out of nowhere for me. And uh, I was pleasantly surprised at my time with Weird West. Yeah, I mean, even with the expectations, it, it um, really did sort of over-deliver, which was a wonderful thing to have. And uh, yeah, it ended up being, yeah, easy. <laughs> uh, having... Elden Ring and you know set the bar so high while it didn't hit quite that bar it was nice to have a game come so soon after that it was like oh wow yeah okay so games can still be good yeah. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> I, I can still love new games this is great and yeah but it, it's I, I get it's an acquired taste and it takes time to get into but pff, I'm, I've long got past the point of caring about that you know it's like I like it. That's what you know. I love it, if anything. But and I love what it does. I love what it represents. It's you know, easy to pick up and play for console players if they're curious, because you know it's on Game Pass, even on PC in that regard. I'd imagine. Mm. So you know, I'd advocate for it in that sense, and you know, because you know they got paid for that, so I'm good with it. You know, I, but uh, yeah, it, it's definitely worth investing in if you, you have a love of immersive sim style games because it's there it's all there it, and you, especially if you love stuff like wasteland and divinity there's a lot of that there too you know the, there's a depth to it that um just isn't in arcane's games which is no fault to them it's you know, that's the compensation you have to make you know it's like if you're making a 3d world that is very interactive you're going to have to make some sacrifices because it's, it's going to be too telling a problem an issue for you whereas here they've gone the opposite way and they go okay well we'll scale things back in some ways and make it ambitious and others so like we said surface level there's you know 
oh, explosive barrels, oh, like this, you know, like that, cover systems, etc., etc. It's like, but with that, it means that they can keep things simple there to make the other stuff more complex, and that's where that's what you want familiarity with exciting new complexity that, that unfurls itself over time and you adapts to your own ability if you will you know your decision making and it's great for that yeah and i would hope that you know people that are fans of arcane's past games and whatnot they don't look at this and be somewhat hesitant or skeptical of like mm. the new perspective, right? Or it's perspective that is not in line with a lot of arcane or any arcane games, right? That isometric top down, like this is the type of game that I don't know. I'm, I am worried that like not enough people are going to play it just based on the way that it looks, or maybe like they're more, they were thinking, Oh, well, I would have rather been like another first person 3d adventure or whatnot. But it's the type of thing that if you put, time into this game and you get past that first two, three hours and you stick with it and you realize that it is building to something that really requires the game to open the way that it does and seemingly being no thrills, but teaching you all the fundamentals that are going to be expounded upon in new and creative ways, almost, you know, at the snap of a finger, as soon as you kind of clear a certain benchmark of the story and you get into more of the kind of complexities that you mentioned it's a game that just opens up in more ways than one and so far it's definitely a highlight i think of the year so far and just being this blending of so many things that we wish more games did and even if it's presenting it maybe in a manner that we weren't expecting or a combination of you know themes and settings in these things it still checks so many boxes for us of what we wish more games did or more games took certain risks and weren't so precious maybe about like, I don't know about industry standards, but just like the ways in which you would expect certain games like this to play based on how they look, it kind of does spit in the face in that in the best creative means possible. Yeah, it is in a way a throwback in the best way. It really does just take things back to a time when you know the idea was to what can you do with games in terms of choice rather than what can you do with games in terms of you know technical visual spectaculars and god that that may age me by saying it but that that is pretty much how it feels at this point because there are so many games out there which you know are these big graphical showcases and you're like "Hmm, okay like that but (laughs) they are still playing like games from 15 years ago so what does it matter it's like it, it, it's not having the ambition of games even before that you know it's it's hard to get as excited for games that try to replicate the ps3 xbox 360 era of games where you could see that they were starting to shift away from that sort of like experimental madcap phase of oh what if we did this crazy thing with this game and it's more to what sells? What's a franchise? What's this? What, where can we make the most money? I mean, it's always been about money, but it was a point where it's like the balance was if it makes enough money and you keep within a certain template, you can do whatever the fuck you want. You know, like that. <laughs> right. Like that. And whereas now it's become, no, the template is everything. You must do everything to this sort of way. And if you want to be successful and yeah, that doesn't always work, of course. So. Yeah, it's nice that we get games like this and, you know, Devolver Digital have always been great at publishing games like this, you know, and getting games out there uh, that um, are interesting and intriguing like in the indie space. So, grand to see. 
and I'm sure they will be uh, success- successful enough with this that, that we will see something new from them too. Absolutely, yeah. Just hope that you know people are willing to dive into something that might look a little foreign to what they're used to or go against the types of games they usually do. But you know, investing the time into it will uh, yield horrifyingly pleasant results hopefully for people but um for anybody that's listening if you wanted to share your thoughts with us on weird west if you've been enjoying the game if maybe you had a few more criticisms of it than we did we'd love to hear from you guys and you can reach out to us on twitter at safe room pod uh and you know thanks again for listening everybody and neil as always it's a pleasure chatting horror with you for safe room absolutely Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser-known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out, and we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now. Every town has its dark history. Hometown Ghost Stories is a paranormal podcast that goes town to town all across the globe, exploring the world's most haunted places, tapping into the dusty archives and the darkest corners to bring you the most terrifying stories of real people and their harrowing experiences. Hometown Ghost Stories dives into the history of haunted locations and investigates why and how these places earned their terrifying reputation. Rob, Dave, and Jesse go live every Tuesday night after an uninterrupted documentary-style breakdown on the case, followed by an open discussion with live viewers. Subscribe today to listen to Hometown Ghost Stories on your preferred podcast platform or watch the video version on YouTube and now Spotify. Head on over to the Bloody FM Podcast Network and check out Hometown Ghost Stories, if you're brave enough. (laughs) 